Dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord, today is February 22nd, the feast day of the chair of St. Peter. I wanted to talk about on this feast day Peter's supremacy and him being the chief apostle or prince of the apostles, the preeminent apostle. And usually you hear so many times quoted Matthew 16, 18, and 19 to defend the papacy. However, today I'm going to use John 21 verses 15 through 19 to defend the papacy. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, most certainly do so. Of course, I'm going to use a few other verses as well. However, I'm going to entitle this lesson, Jesus and Peter, because of the significance that it plays in these verses that you're going to hear that I'm going to read. However, first, I just want to give a short description of the feast day of the chair of St. Peter, and this short description will be coming from Rosa Georgie's Saints, A Year in Faith and Art, where it reads, The feast of the chair of St. Peter emphasizes the importance of the mission that Jesus entrusted to this saint, who was teacher and shepherd of the church that was founded upon him. This feast was formally celebrated on two different days, one for the chair of Antioch before Peter's trip to Rome and his martyrdom, and one for that of Rome. And the name Peter is from the Greek and means rock stone. So my dear brothers and sisters, with that short description being said, or being read I should say, let us move into the primary lesson. Let St. Peter pray for us on this day. Dearly beloved in Christ, let us get started, but let us start as we always should. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm going to be using the translation of the English Standard Version Catholic Edition as my Bible, and you may hear the pages rustle as I flip through it, or as I maybe misquote something by accident, but I'll get right on track as soon as I realize it. I may stumble on a few words, and forgive me for that, because I'm going to try and do this in one take because of how the recording device that I'm using works. So please forgive me and please bear with me. Now, if you're using a Bible, of course, I'm going to use mainly John 21, verses 15 through 19, and this is the main focus, and it's Jesus talking to Peter. And it reads, starting with verse 15, When they had finished finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you everywhere, uh, carry you where you do not want to go. Now, right here in verse 18, it is believed that this is to show Peter what kind of death he is going to endure to glorify God. Now, Peter may not know this, but we do know how Jesus, he was... He was put on the cross. Peter, of course, according to holy and sacred tradition, was crucified on an upside-down cross, and that's because he said he was not worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus died. Now, going on with verse 19, it says, And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Remember that Jesus said this directly to St. Peter. Peter's authority is that he is lower than, he's not equal to Christ, but he's higher than the rest of the apostles. Now remember, Christ says to Peter, and he says, your faith will not fall again, or he hopes his faith will not fall again. And we read about this in Luke 22, verses 31 through 34, which it states, 
Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. My dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we see that Peter was a human. The Pope is a human. Although the Pope may be able to make infallible statements, he may say something that is contrary to the teachings of Christ. And although he may do this by accident, we must learn to see that what he's really and truly trying to say. Because remember, Peter did this too. Peter made the fatal mistake. But what did Peter do that was different than, let's say, the apostle Judas, when Judas was an apostle? Judas went out and hung himself. He didn't go back to Christ. He didn't confess his faults and his sins. Judas went out and he, he did the he took the easy way out. Peter did the hard way. He came back to Christ and he said to Christ, he 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 Christ basically forgave him. And we see that Jesus and Peter, and we see how Jesus loved Peter so much that he entrusted the care of the church to St. Peter. And many people will say, well, we still see that Peter had faults. He can't be infallible. But when they usually quote Galatians 2, verses 11 through 14, which states this, Paul opposes Peter. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even uh, Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, we must know that Peter, the Pope, he's not above correction. He still can be corrected and he needs to be corrected. So that, like how when he corrects the brother bishops and the brothers and sisters of the entire Christian, the Catholic Christian faith, we must also expect that our bishops will do this to Peter, the Pope, the successor of St. Peter, so that he will learn and he will know and he will remember what kind of authority he has. And this shows how Peter was above the rest. Christ had the chance. Well, well, I want to address this first. Let's go to John twenty one twenty five. We see here that Jesus is directly talking to St. Peter. And in John twenty one twenty five it states, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. My dear brothers and sisters, I use this verse because this verse tells us this. You see, John thought it was so important that Jesus was talking directly to Peter that he wrote it in the book of John. And if John wanted to, he could have altered these words. Matthew could have altered the words in Matthew 16, 18, and 19. Because remember, Remember Jesus, the Bible, it's the divine word of God. It's divinely inspired, divinely inerrant, divinely infallible. And Jesus knew what would happen. He knew that there would be a church and he he established the church and therefore he entrusted to Peter and these apostles, they made sure that the church knows this. So they wrote it in there. If it wasn't necessarily necessary, they probably would have never wrote the verses, but they did. And this was to show that Peter was above the rest. Christ had the chance to address the other apostles. He could have addressed John. He could have addressed Matthew, Mark, Luke, directly. Directly, all of them directly, but he talks to Peter only, only the Peter and not to the rest of the apostles. And therefore we can see that Peter, he had the established authority. He was the one that was above all the other apostles when Christ left the earth, that he was the head of the church, that it went St. Peter, St. Linus, St. Anacletus, and so on until we get to Pope Francis, the current Pope, the 266th successor to St. Peter. And remember, when it comes to the Bible, Jesus never mentioned the Bible, but he does the church, which he built on St. Peter. 
and in the Catholic Church upon this earth, we hold the place of God Almighty. The Pope, the primacy of St. Peter, it holds the place of God Almighty upon this earth. The whole Catholic Church does because it's the bride of Christ. It is God's church. Um, and that what I said, we hold upon their, this earth, the place of God Almighty, comes from Pope Leo the Thirteenth. You know, I know many Orthodox will get angry at this, but they say that, well, they're bishops and things are equal to one another. First among equals, the Patriarch of Constantinople, which I believe is currently Bartholomew, but he's not. They can't be. It's kind, and I love my Orthodox brothers and sisters, and they know this, but it can't be like that. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to become an Orthodox, and I know this is telling to my conversion story, but there's not a consensus among the bishops. There's no ecumenical councils. There's nothing to unite them if someone was to fall out, as we see with the Russians and the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, but there is in the Catholic Church. Peter says, what Peter says happens, what Peter says must happen, um, what Peter does it happens. Because of this, we see that Peter is the head of the church. There can be multiple bishops who are the head of the church. There needs to be one head of the church. Just as Christ is the head of the invisible church, so forth he made one man, Peter, and the successors of St. Peter, the heads of the visible church here on earth. And wherever Peter is, there is the church, as St. Ambrose would say in Latin, ubi patris ibi ecclesia, where Peter is. It doesn't matter if Peter's in Rome. It doesn't matter if he's in Florence. It doesn't matter if he's in the United States of America. It doesn't matter if he's in Africa Wherever Peter is, there is the church because he's the head of the church. There is the Catholic Church wherever the bishops are, as we see from St. Ignatius of Antioch. But wherever Peter is, it doesn't matter if the Vatican's in Rome. It could hopefully and won't ever will because we saw that it once was. It was moved, and I can't quite remember where it once was, but we do know that it... At one time in history, it was not in Rome, but somewhere else. And therefore, we can see that no matter where the Vatican may stand, the building may stand, as long as Peter is there, there is the church. And this is why in Unum Sanctum, Pope Boniface VIII states this, For us Catholics, we must believe this. Furthermore, we declare, we proclaim, we define that it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman pontiff. My dear brothers and sisters of the Catholic faith, you must be subject to the Roman pontiff. Because it is the one who Jesus has entrusted the care, not only of the church, but of the souls of the people of this earth. He is entrusted to Peter, the supreme pontiff of the universal church, the vicar of Jesus Christ, the visible head of the church. And therefore, it is absolutely necessary to be in submission to the Bishop of Rome, to be a member of the Catholic Church. And those who leave, of course, the Catholic Church, or those who will not become Catholic, yet they know it's the true church, they will be damned for all of eternity, because outside of the Catholic Church, there is no salvation. Now, that is a much larger teaching that I'm not going to get into right now, but I will do it at a later date. But still, this tells us of Jesus and Peter, the importance of the Catholic Church. And as I said about the Orthodox, they tried, I believe, at the Council of Chalcedon, Canon 28, if I'm not mistaken, they tried to say that, well, all the bishops in the world are equal, but St. Pope Leo the Great, he, he denied this. He said, no, that is not true. And the patriarch, I believe it was Patriarch Anatolius of Constantinople, he wrote to Pope St. Leo the Great apologizing, saying, I did not know this is a sideswiping document. And Pope St. Leo the Great, he confirms that he has the ultimate authority. He has the final say of the church. Throughout history, the head of the church has always been the Pope, the visible head of the church. The invisible head of the church will always be Jesus Christ, who reigns forever and ever. Peter, he won't always be, but as long as his earth is in continuance, as long as it's 
here and thy kingdom has not come, Peter will be the head of the Catholic Church, and therefore all must be in submission to him, as Pope Boniface VIII stated in Unum Sanctum. So my brothers and sisters, on this feast day of the chair of St. Peter, I hope I brought a little justice to how papal supremacy works, how Peter's supremacy, and how... Since we know this, we must be in obedience to Pope Francis. Yes, he says things that not even I like, but we still should be in submission to him. So as always, we should end, and I'm going to end this in Latin, the traditional part of the faith, in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sanctis. My dear brothers and sisters, on this feast day of the chair of St. Peter, I ask that you be in prayer for the church as we don't know the waves that may be coming against it, the gates of hell that may be shackling, you may be hearing it all around the world, but no matter what, this is Jesus' church, and Jesus will not let his church fail. Not even the powers nor the gates of hell will be able to prevail against the church. God love you.